Well, good evening, everybody. I'm not Brett Levi, obviously. Uh, Brett uh, had asked me if I would be able to stand in this week. He's been doing a lot of Disciple Nows, and um, I was honored and happy to do that. A little bit of pressure because, uh, as most of you, I think, know, Brett has talked about this being maybe the most important series uh, that we've done in Collide. Uh, And you know how if you've got a big game coming up or a big test or something like that, you really start to focus or you you might study more. Maybe you don't, but you should, uh, right, if you want to do good. And so when Brett had asked me about this, I got um, maybe more attentive than I ordinarily would be, um, if I'm being honest, during these Collide uh, sermons, during the talks that Brett would give. And I got to say, I 100% agree and I, and I think you may as well that, man, breaking apart the gospel into five parts, which is this series, Game Changer, um, and the gospel being the best news on the world, uh, this is just, it is a game-changing, just critical series. And so we've just crossed over. Last week, Brett talked about uh, when we couldn't do anything, God did everything, uh, which was, was the middle marker. And we're going to spend these next two series talking about, well, then what next? Uh, but before we jump into that, just I don't want to assume everybody's been here for all these parts, and it's real pretty critical to see how we got here. I wanted to start by share, doing a quick recap of these last few weeks. And so you guys follow along with me here. If you remember week one, right after New Year's Eve, uh, Brett came and he, he talked on God is good and he does good things, right? And we could have done a whole year worth of Clyde talks on God's goodness and his grace and what he's done. Uh, But Brett really just dug in there, and the point he decided to focus on was that God created the perfect world. And we read about in Genesis that God created all of creation, and then he created us, mankind, to be set apart all of creation, to have a relationship with him, to have a friendship with God. And we know Adam and Eve walked in the garden and communed, like had a actual, you know, like, like we might have here, like they actually spoke with God and had this relationship. And God placed this tree in the garden, all right? And this tree was placed there so that the relationship was, could be choice, right? That it would not be contrived. And the story that Brett used, he said, you know, his wife, Amanda, if he were to say, Amanda, I'm going to stay faithful to you in our marriage because if I don't, I'll lose my job, right? That's not really love. That is, okay, I'm obligated to. But if he, tell, if he talks to Amanda and says, I choose to stay faithful to you because I love you and I desire to be married with you and to honor you. It's like, that's love. And so in the same way, God gave us choice. uh, But then we know in Genesis, and as we ended week one, uh, the serpent, Satan, in the form of a serpent, came and he tempted Adam and Eve. And uh, they ate of the tree, which was said, that's the one tree you cannot eat of. Uh, And then God found out and he cast them out of the garden, right? But Brett left us with a little bit of hope. In fact, uh, in Genesis 3, if you'll recall, as God is giving Adam and Eve their deserved punishment for their sin, he's already making a way for them to be, for all of us, to be made right with God again, to have that unpayable debt paid, right? And so then we jumped into week two and, and it was talking about the world's problems, and there's a typo here, but the world's problems are, not and, are people problems, Right? And the focus there was, was people made the choice to sin against God. And every one of us, the scripture tells us, we were born sinners, enemies of God, deserving of punishment. Right? And, and he gave several examples there. If you look back to the first time 
You may not even remember it, but the first time you bit the heck out of somebody's arm because they stole your toy when you were like two. Right? You probably don't even remember, but you were born sinful, right? right? And then that, just, that, that position of the heart just amplifies, and there, there's no solution for it um, short of what we learned about and grew in, in week three. But uh, before we jump there, Brett gave an analogy. Uh, and I just want to, it was, it was quite a, it, how many people remember Brett's analogy on week uh, three about, or sorry, week two about killing all of your family? Does anybody remember that one? Yeah, so he said, all right, because uh, you, you may have the question of God's so perfect and he's all powerful. Why can't he just forgive? And his point was, well, Brett said, hey, well, what if I came to your house and I killed everyone? This feels weird saying it, but it worked. Right? Killed everyone. I mean, your, your parents, your, you know, everybody, right? But then I spent the rest of my life, I gave you anything you wanted to eat. I put you through the best school. You had all the cars you wanted, just lavished you with good things, right? Does that change the fact of what I did to you or the, the stain of sin that was on my life? No. And so his point was sin requires payment. There is punishment uh, consequences for that sin. And then week three, all right? And so he talks about that, that when we couldn't do anything, it's a debt we could not pay, God did everything. And what he did is he sent his son, Jesus, who was talked about back in Genesis 3 as the first consequences of sin were being given out. And he said, he sent Jesus. He lived on this earth as a human, right? And, and he did, if you, as you read through the scriptures, you'll see that he was made fun of by his peers, actually by his teachers, right? The Pharisees. He knew, knew what it was like to lose someone close to him when Lazarus died. He had anxiety and like, and, and like angst when he knew he was about to be arrested and crucified, right? So Jesus, he went through life fully human, but unlike every human, he never sinned. He never once sinned. And so because of that, he was able to be the sacrifice for our sins and take our punishment. And so he did. He died on the cross, right? And then he went and took the punishment for our sins. And the Bible tells us that whoever believes in him will not perish, have everlasting life. Right? And so when you enter into a relationship with Jesus, but believing in who he said he was, he was God on earth who lived a perfect life. And then you make him, you ask him to be Lord of your life. You say, I want to follow you and I want to accept your payment for my sins. Then you've now entered into this relationship with Jesus and your life is forever changed and your eternity is forever sealed. Now there's one, uh, a couple points I want to make before we jump into part four, just to start building on this and get us to where we're going the first one is, I mean, it was until I was out of college um, that I, um, until I was out of college before I really appreciated this, I used to think, if I'm being honest, man, Jesus, he's God. He used to hang out up in heaven, right? He came to earth, but he was still God, right? He still had these superpowers. And so, yes, crucifixion to this day is regarded as the uh, single most gruesome way to kill somebody still to this day. Um, and that's what he did. Right? And won't go into all the details of that. But I'm like, but in the end, he knew what was going to happen. He knew he was going to end up back in heaven, right, God? And, and what hit me just after college was that the real sacrifice that Jesus made for us personally, for you and for me, was that he took the punishment for our sins. Right? He died on the cross, but then in that death, he took the punishment for our sins, for every sin, all of that punishment that we deserved. He willingly, while we were his enemies, said, I will take the punishment for Chris Washington, right? And then he conquered death, rose again three days later, and then that's why we have the gospel, what we have today. 
And so I'm going to add my own story since Brett added such a, a colorful one uh, last week. Uh, this is one that just jumped in my head now in my adult life. The way I'd look at it is picture a rabid dog. This rabid, mangy old dog sneaks into my house one night, and my kids and me and my wife are sleeping, and we got two little dogs as well, and this rabid dog comes in, and it basically kills us all. Well, but me, right? Let's just say I, I live, right? And <laughs> I know, Collide, come here. You hear about uh, killing and murder stories, but it's on TV. So, um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so this dog comes in, right? It's mangy dog, no owner, no one cares about it from the wild, and does that, and the authorities come, and it's about to kill me. Teeth are right here at my neck, and then they, the dog catcher comes and grabs it. And it's like, oh, you mangy mutt, and there it is. My family is dead, and, and I look at it, and he says, I'm going to go, and I'm not going to kill this dog quickly. I'm going to go torture this dog, and then I'm going to kill it. You're welcome, and I said, no, 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 wait. Please let that dog live. Torture and kill me instead, right? How insane is that? But what God, what Jesus did for us is infinitely greater. While we were his enemies, while we were sinning against him, he created this perfect world, sinning against him. He said, no, no, take me instead and let me have the punishment so that Chris and I can have a relationship forever, right? And so I think sometimes we hear the gospel, I know I do, and its weight gets lost because we just, it becomes like Christmas. Mary, Joseph, wise men, whatever, uh, shepherds. And we just, it just kind of becomes mundane. But one of the things I want to challenge you here, and it's really what is key to what we're going to talk about today, is, man, the gospel is transformative. And when you really uh, uh, can appreciate the magnitude of what Jesus did for us, well, then it, you can't be the same. And so I got I to ask, or, or I guess the title for today is, well, once you enter into this personal relationship with Jesus, what next? Right? Sins are paid for. Do you just poof, go up to heaven? Do you never sin again? Does life get easy and everything starts working for you? Should you withdraw and only hang out with your, with your uh, Christian friends and get away from those that don't have a relationship with Jesus because they might dirty you or something? No, you know, none of that's true. Uh, and in fact, today what we're going to dig into here just briefly is after we enter into this personal relationship with Jesus, out of an overflowing of our gratitude for what he's done for us, and then we're to get in the game, right? Our goal, we should be getting the game, and there's a lot of ways to do that, but today what we're going to focus on is getting in the game by being restorers of the world with the gospel. All right, so the world that's broken that we talked about in week two, we are here, and on the other side of that relationship with Jesus, it's to be a restorer of the world, but be a restorer of the world with the gospel, so I wanted to jump in and, and really look at what did the first Christians do? So if you'll turn with me, or if you have the Bible app, version, you can go there, should be loaded. Uh, but turn with me to Matthew, uh, I think it's 28, uh, verses, can I read this up here, 15, 16, somewhere. You want to go to the next slide there, Chess? 18, thank you. I got too small to print here, but I can read the words. Uh, so we're going uh, to jump into two scriptures here that were told by Jesus to the first Christians, right? While he was still on this earth. So this first one takes place, if you back up one chest, just to show you where this is happening in time. So it's just not a verse in the air. Uh, in Jesus' life, uh, right, he was born about 30 years old is when he began his ministry, where it went, most of what we read about occurred. It was about a three-year ministry, and then he was arrested and crucified. We just spoke about that. 
three days in the grave and then he rose from the dead, conquering death. And then he spent 40 days on the earth eating, teaching, being worshipped by the first Christians before his ascension into heaven. And his ascension was, you know, he can't die. He conquered death. He rose from the dead. This is just when he went to be with his father in heaven. And so in that 40 days, right, on the other side of being raised from the dead, uh, this is one of the things that he tells uh, the, the first Christians, and it's called the Great Commission. It says, now, now, let me skip forward here. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the ends of the ages. Go for there, making disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. Right, and so the first, the first, this first verse here, the Great Commission, is talking about multiplying. Right, after you enter into that relationship with Jesus, we're sharing that experience. We're sharing our story with others who don't know Jesus, so that they might enter into a relationship with Him. And it doesn't stop there. Then it talks about in obedience, following like Jesus did, being baptized. Which, by the way, uh, next week we'll be having a baptism service here, and, and why. It, You'll hear this next week. You know, baptizing doesn't say that's not part of the process. Uh, baptizing, though, is a pro- public proclamation saying, I, it's a public declaration, if you'll, saying, I have chosen to, I know, I believe who Jesus said he was, and I've chosen to make him Lord of my life and trust in him and him alone for forgiveness for my sins, right? And so baptizing and then discipling, that means just teaching uh, and teaching them to be, go from a, a baby Christian to a mature Christian. And so this first verse we read that Jesus teaches the first Christians after he's arisen from the dead is that we're to go out and make more Christians, right? And that's by sharing the gospel. But then if we, if we jump back just a couple chapters uh, to Matthew, uh, Matthew 25, uh, verse 31. Now this, this was uh, told to the first Christians or disciples at that time. It was told to them shortly before Jesus was arrested. So before he was crucified, he's given him basically his final kind of teachings on this side of the cross and, and telling him. And, and he's talking here about the final judgment. Uh, and he says, jump forward here to the, there we go. Sorry, <laughs> I could, should just read it from the screen. When the spirit of man, uh, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit in his glorious throne before him, before him will be gathered all the nations And he will separate people one from another as shepherds separate the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on the right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Uh, And then the righteous one answered him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? Or when did we see a stranger and welcome you? Or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer him, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And that last verse, right, this is, Jesus speaking to us, truly I say to you, as you did it to the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. 
right? And so the second part of it here really is meeting the needs of the least of these. And I don't know about you, but you know, I, I've read this verse a lot of times that every time I do, I, I get reconvicted because um, I'm a sinful person and I, you know, I will do good for a while and I'll drift. And I, so I keep coming back to this verse. And man, if you let that verse soak in, it changes the way you look at the kid who picks his nose while he's eating lunch and that no one will sit by, right? It changes the way you think about the guy on the street corner with the sign saying, hey, um, hungry, anything will help, right? It changes the way you think about it because basically what Jesus is commanding us as Christians out of an overflow of a relationship with him is to be restorers for the least of these, for the hungry, for the sick, for the outcasts, to be there and to feed them. And when we do it, it's the same as doing it to Jesus. That's the way he views it. All right, and so there's two parts here to kind of bring this together. There, there's make disciples, right? Tell other people about Jesus so you can have a, a relationship. And then there's be these restorers, right? Step into the world and, and address these things. And so uh, there's a co- so one key point I guess I want to make here, and we'll, we'll kind of talk about what this looks like. The important thing here is the and, right? If we go to the person who, who's un- hungry, person who may be getting bullied or who's an outcast and has no friends, uh, who are maybe going through a breakup with a boyfriend or girlfriend, maybe going through a divorce or rejection from a college or getting cut from that. I mean, you name it, right? If, if all we did was protect that person from being bullied or if all we did was feed the hungry, give them water, but we didn't tell them about their greatest need, right? Their, their position before God and, and the offer he's given them with Jesus, right, then it's, it's cruel. And I got to tell you, I can say it that way. It's kind of harsh, but I mean, I'm guilty of it as well, is, is meeting the needs of the least of these and doing it in a way that can then share with them the great news of what Jesus has done for them to meet their greatest need, which is payment for their, their, their debt, their sins. Uh, and so what does this look like? Um, well, in my experience, because I've done this many ways and, fit and done it well ways and, and not, in my experience, right, what we're called to do is to, to be intentional about looking for these needs, right, right there in your school, in our community, in the world, right? We'll talk more about that here in a minute. But to look for these needs, then to engage in them, uh, and, in, and through that, build relationships would give us the opportunity to share the gospel with that person. So this might look like the person at school who doesn't have a lot of friends, has, hey, maybe has some weird quirks, right? And so um, it might look like, hey, you know, I want to be intentional and take some time to get to know, to, to be a friend of that person, right? And then through that friendship, you know, as we develop a relationship, be able to tell my story about what Jesus has done in my life and, exp- and explain to them how Jesus could do the same in their life, right? It could look like uh, that friend who may be struggling with a breakup or a divorce or something's going on in their life, and instead of being too busy, is everybody here pretty busy? Uh, it seems like that's pretty much the state of the world. Instead of, this is probably where I fall short the most, at work, I'm too busy to really spend a half hour with a coworker to, under, to just, not to do a work thing, but to dig in and understand, hey, what's going on in your life, and, and let's build a relationship. If I'm being honest, at times what I'm guilty of at work is everybody knows I'm a believer. Uh, I don't claim to be perfect, but I, I am not shy about uh, my relationship with Jesus and who I know that he is and what he's done in my life. 
But then, you know, as I was preparing to speak with you guys here today, it's where I was, I was um, convicted that, man, I need to slow down and take some time to build relationships, to get to know what's going on in people's lives so that the Lord could use me to share the gospel. So we're short on time here, and I just wanted to close really with what, what this looks like, um, what you could take away from this. Uh, and so if you're a note taker, here's the, the action items, right? How do we be restorers in the world with the gospel? Uh, well, it's two things, right? And we're going to skip ahead a couple slides here, Chess, but it's two things. And the first one really is it has to start with your personal relationship in Jesus, with Jesus. And so I forgot to mention at the beginning, I, I along with uh, Jenna and my wife and Kelly Clark, who's sitting over there, we teach the seniors, class 2017, right? Yeah, there's, yeah, there you go. Woo, spirit, guys, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, this is a thing that since junior year, we've really been trying to press with them. And for the 10th graders, which uh, Lord willing, we will have you guys next year as 11th graders, we really press on, hey, we need to, we want to encourage you in a personal relationship with Jesus so that the, the things you do out of that overflow can bring glory to him. Uh, and so I won't go through these in great detail. You, you hear these a lot through leadership track, through everything that's set up here, but it's really about building these habits to develop that relationship, just like you would your own friendships. So that looks like spending time in God's word. That looks like uh, spending time in prayer. And not prayer like, hey, you know, I'm going to just uh, say thank you for this food, thank you for this, please take care of me today, and, and reciting some chant, which we're all guilty of at times. But literally spending time speaking with the Lord, um, asking him, uh, you know, confessing our sins to him, sharing our concerns, asking, praying on account of others, or praying for him to, to show us where we might meet these needs. Right? It looks uh, like meditating, like the, the gruesome story I told you earlier. But try not to just read these stories as stories, but to, to personalize them and say, what is that really like? Let me appreciate the full magnitude of what's going on in here. Right? And then lastly, it looks like spending time with other believers like you're doing tonight and like you'll do on Sundays, uh, learning more, discussing him. Because I find, you know, is anybody here had God speak to them audibly, like talk to you? Anybody? Me neither, but I tell you, I've had him speak to me a lot, and I tell you the way I hear him. I hear him through other believers, right? When we're, when we're talking, I can be talking to my accountability partner, mentors, uh, students, seniors, and I can hear them say something, and it just, it clicks, man. It's like, oh, man, yeah, that's exactly what I've been praying about. Or I hear him talk in our prayer. You might be praying about something, and that thought jumps in your head, and you're like, man, <laughs> I know that wasn't my thought because I don't like it one bit, <laughs> but I know it's right. Right, and, and, and that's where we hear that. So we spend this time developing this relationship uh, with the Lord. And then it's out of an overflow to that that we go to our, the second challenge or the second application I want to leave you with tonight, which is really then to go and be restorers in the world and doing so with the gospel. And so there's really three things for this second step. So after, or I guess I should say simultaneous to pursuing this personal relationship uh, is to Stop and just kind of take an account of, you know, when was the last time you had a chance to share with someone who Jesus is or, or even who he is in your personal life, right? When was the last time that was? And, and does that seem like too long ago, right? <laughs> right? And, then, and so to look, when was the last time I dove in to some issue at my school, in my community, in the world, right? And really tried to just apply my prayer, my time, my energy to go and meet the needs of others, right? And we do that through Collide Impact here. We do it uh, through First Serves. There's a lot of things through the church that challenge you guys to, to, to see where God would get you a passion about 
uh, whether it's pointing someone in the school that he may put on your heart to reach out to, or if it's something in the world, human trafficking, hunger, poverty, poverty, whatever it is. I mean, you guys, what are we, 12 through 18 in here, right? You're the, the 11 through 18 in here. You've got even more time, right? there. You guys got a lot of great stuff. I know the Lord has planned to do through you guys. All right, uh, and then the, the last one I'd say is, Pray and ask the Lord to show it to you. What I have found is that when I'll humble myself before the Lord and say, Lord, I, I know who you are. I've been busy. I've been distracted. I've been focused on other things. I confess that. Lord, what I would like is please show me someone today that I can be your hands and feet to. Show me a least of these in my school, in my work, right? Uh, show me someone I could share the gospel with. And what I'll say is pray that at your own risk, right? And it will be to your own actual blessing, but I, I I promise you, at least in my experience, it's not always the same day. But if I'm praying that consistently, what I find is the Lord is always faithful. And then the next prayer is, Lord, let me, let me have the strength, the courage, the, the patience, perseverance to actually step through and follow you in that person or that need that you have uniquely brought me to that I could meet to either share the gospel or, or meet that need. So in, in closing, guys, we'll, we'll spend, Brett will come and he'll wrap us up. Uh, next week with what does it look like on the other side of entering into a relationship with Jesus. But I really want to encourage you guys uh, as we leave here, if, if to, it's the one takeaway is, man, chase Jesus personally. Don't, be, don't accept just what you get in here and maybe on Sundays. Chase him personally. And then out of overflowing of that relationship, be intentional about looking for where you can be his hands and feet uh, and serve the least of these.